Welcome to the debut of Soccer City, a weekly program that takes you inside the world of New York City soccer and beyond. City in the Community, CITC, was launched in New York City in December of 2014 using the power of soccer to promote health, education, and leadership development and create safe community spaces. This project enthusiastically supported by the New York City Football Club. It provides free programming for more than 4,000 young people every week. Well, our first stop with Soccer on the Block is the Johnson Community Center in East Harlem. On a Wednesday afternoon, during midwinter break, uh, nearly 100 girls, ages 5 through 18, were competing in the most unusual way, with no referees and the ability to make their own rules. Lily Barrett O'Keefe organized the event for CITC. You see where people are always looking to the refs, are always looking to coaches, like, this girl pushed me, or this, you know, and it gives, it gives them agency to really come up with that themselves. I mean, you saw in this conversation before, it's like they want to do kick-ins, the other team wanted to do throw-ins, so how did they resolve that? They talked about it, and then they said, well, one half, why don't we do kick-ins, one half, why don't we do throw-ins? They're like, no, that's dumb, you know, let's just do kick-ins. And so I think it gets them not looking at the staff to resolve everything and come up with it and get them to really, you know, speak up and have ownership over their play. All a part of the Football 3 Friendly Games, a conflict resolution methodology that uses a three-halves theory. You've got pre-match, you've got the match itself, and post-match, uh, designed by an organization called Street Football World, a network of over 120 organizations in over 80 countries which use soccer as an educational tool to tackle the social challenges of young people. CITC is one of those network members. Lily gave an example of how a post-match discussion that we both observed served as a learning tool for one of the teams. With them, is as soon as they're losing, they give up right away. They get angry, they give up, they storm off, they hit something, they're super, they just feel so defeated. And the team that they were playing against, they were down 3-0, and every single time they played, they ran back to the middle, and they started. And they said, they said, the way you guys did that, that's something we need to work on. And so just having them feel mature enough to look and see that someone else is doing something well. Um, and they just talked about, you know, how it felt to lose and how it felt to also play in an environment where everyone was supportive. Um, and, yeah, so it was, it was a really good conversation. Astonishingly, Lily said there are over 800 unused gymnasiums across the five boroughs where Football 3 or similar programs could flourish, giving youngsters like 10-year-old Kim Sanchez a chance to fall in love with the beautiful game. I like soccer because my sister, used, my sister is like, she plays it too, and um, I noticed that I, I, came, I came there once and then I, I kind of liked it, and then... And then my sister said that I think you're the perfect girl to, to, to play soccer. So I believed her, and then I, I, I got better at playing soccer. Kim played and watched her sister that day at the Johnson Community Center. It was a matter of giving the kids something to do on a day off. The day prior, they were all volunteers. And for 12-year-old Leshley Martinez, the rewards of being together with her friends and teammates are even more profound. We all trust each other, and we can say our like what we're sad about and talk about like probably when you talk about with someone that that you have been holding and when you let it go then you don't feel that inside of you and you feel good about it. Leslie calls her teammates family. 
One of the most gratifying parts of the CITC program is the uh, interaction between the children and the New York Police Department. The NYPD acted as mentors and sounding boards at the Johnson Community Center that day. Uh, one of those officers was Pete Gibbons from the 23rd Precinct. Yeah, this, kind of, this type of programming is essential to the lower crime rate that we've seen in New York City. The more that we get our younger people involved, and after school and weekend programming, the less likely they are to fall into bad habits or fall into the wrong crowd. Um, when you're not hanging out on the corner, uh, but you're inside learning a skill, developing um, you know, certain types of behaviors like teamwork and mutual respect for your fellow competitors, that's the kind of thing that breeds uh, good citizenship, responsibility, um, you know, you can see a future, not maybe just in a sport that you might be playing, but you see your skills develop. And so you see that you are, you can become somebody, um, you know, you can become a more important player in your own community, in your own society. And this soccer block in East Harlem has managed to form a special bond between the children and those that are there to protect them. We're showing up very regularly. The kids are getting to know us. They're getting to know us by name, not just face. We're getting to know some of them by name. And so that kind of familiarity is very unique. And so that kind of regular interaction, like I said, it breeds a familiarity between officer and kid that is so important. When they know us, they trust us. They're like, oh, we, we know that guy. He plays soccer with us. I can talk to him. I can tell him something. I can tell him something I saw, or I can ask him something about something I saw, and he's going to give me an honest answer. Um, he, he knows me. He knows me not just as a kid walking down the street who might have done something wrong. He knows me as a kid that he can trust. And that trust can certainly aid in the development of the children in the area. Yasmin Michelle Sanchez she grew up in this neighborhood, and it wasn't always easy for her, but she followed a positive path and is now a youth council leader for CITC. It was definitely something when I was growing up. I've had a lot of issues in the past, and it wasn't mainly because of, well, it was because of the people around me, but it was the way it was dealt with. Like, some youths, they can't, they don't have that space to express themselves and, like, talk to somebody so I think in the youth leadership council what that does it gets people to talk to be like leading and for them to take the steps for themselves to create a difference. Yasmin was there supporting all the girls at the gym that day. Uh, one of the groups also joining CITC for the one-day tournament was the South Bronx United Soccer Club, showing a lot of individual flair, great teamwork. Anna Laura Mejia, she plays on their U16 team, and she spoke afterward about the special ingredients of soccer for her, both on and off the field. The communication that there is, the touches, the passes, the tricks, but it brings together people, and that's what I love. Like, it brought together my team, and first they were a team, but now they're my family. We tell each other everything now. We're comfortable with each other, and when we mess up, we, we laugh about it, but we help each other through it. So whenever there's a situation with one of us, it's all of us. Whenever there's a situation with one of us, it's all of us. Anna, Laura, Mejia, you get the last word in this segment of Soccer on the Block. Henry Winter is the chief football writer for The Times in London. Formerly with The Telegraph, Henry has been covering the game for over 20 years. You'll not find a greater authority on the game of soccer in England. 
So I asked Henry to join me on the debut of Soccer City. And the uh, opening topic is an obvious one, Arsene Wenger and the Arsenal Football Club. Wenger, uh, more than any time in his 22-year coaching career with the Gunners, is facing rampant public criticism, also in the media, and demands for his firing. After Manchester City pounded Arsenal in the League Cup final, Henry and I agreed that Wenger, through his post-match comments, remained defiant. He's very defiant. He's very stubborn. I mean, he's a remarkable man. I mean, I'm old enough to have gone to his, his first press conference briefing in the the old boardroom at Highbury 22 years ago with the pictures of all the, the distinguished uh, old Etonian chairman of the club. And he walked in there and he revolutionised Arsenal. He transformed English football. He introduced in English players to uh, uh, abstinence, in a way, keeping out of the pub. Tony Adams will tell you that. And he introduced them to diet, the concept of diet. We hadn't uh, heard of and We couldn't even spell broccoli until... Uh, Arsene Wenger turn up in English football, and then the quality of the football that he produced with the, initially the double winners and then the, that fantastic invincible team of Pires and Pierre and, and Burkamp and players like that. So, uh, no, he was an absolute genius. But just the sadness is, as, as you alluded to in terms of his press conference, is that he's lost his touch, he's lost his mojo, he's been overtaken by Klopp and Guardiola. Guardiola completely, obviously highlighted that at, at the Emirates of Manchester City's thrilling stylish performance. So, no, it is very sad. He will have a statue at Arsenal, but I think people just really want to see him go, go with a bit of dignity now. So what do you think happens over the years, uh, and very few managers, I mean, I don't know what the statistics currently are in, in the uh, uh, premiership or the championship, but it's it's probably less than a year that these managers normally survive. So he's had this extensive career, but what what's lacking at this point? Uh, are, are, the, are the players uh, too young for him? Is he, is he beyond that age where he can really comprehend the social aspects, which would provide a connection with the players? I mean, he's hit a perfect storm in terms of the money started flooding into Chelsea and to Manchester City and Manchester United. You know, he's always up against Ferguson there, and now he's got Mourinho, and there's money flooding in there. Because so much broadcasting revenue has come into the Premier League, that even the smaller clubs are getting $100 million, which is, what, $110 million a year, effectively, to spend on uh, players' wages, agents' fees. So... You know, he couldn't have it all his own way. And the things that he was doing at the start at Arsenal, at their training ground at London Colney, because he's such a generous individual, other clubs would say, can we come and look around your training ground? Because we're thinking of building or improving ours. And uh, he said, of course, because he's a generous guy. And I think he was proud showing them around uh, London Colney. So, of course, they then went and built better versions of that. They looked at his recruitment skills, how he was scouring the French divisions, and they sort of started bringing in uh, Mares and Kante, which the type of players that uh, Wenger would have taken five, six years ago. So I guess it's a compliment in a way, but people copied him and uh, improved on it. And the other problem, essentially, and this is almost sort of Shakespearean, is, is that he had absence, still has to an extent, absolute power at Arsenal. And just no one was challenging him. David Dean, who was the vice chairman, he left the club. And he was the type of person who would just talk sensibly to, uh, um, to, to Wenger, a little bit like David Gill did as a sort of sounding board at, uh, with, with Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. And every great individual 
need good counsel, whether you're president, whether you're a football manager, whatever walk of life you're in. You need a sounding board, a quiet number two. Wenger hasn't had that. Patrick Vieira should have been brought in as Wenger's number two. But because Patrick is a is a strong, powerful individual, although actually, for such a start, very humble and actually totally lacking in ego, but Wenger just doesn't like confrontation. He doesn't like big individuals around him in terms of executives or in terms of coaches. But ultimately, it's a great sadness because these character flaws are tarnishing his, his, uh, his legacy. Henry, we mentioned Patrick Vieira and... Uh... He, he is someone that I approached early on about the fact that he was in the youth program with Manchester City and not Arsenal. I know he was severely disappointed about that, but, you know, he's certainly been humble in his responses to that. He just felt like he ended up in a good spot. But it is pretty shocking that he's not part of that Arsenal program. It is shocking. I mean, you, you know Patrick well, and with your coaching background, you'll appreciate his qualities as a coach. Us, Lehman appreciated his qualities as, as, a, as a fantastic player, the only individual who would stand up to Roy Keane in the tunnel, let alone on the pitch. And Arsenal need that spark. So next time you talk to Patrick, can you, A, tell him to come over and be Arsenal's manager and also to bring his boots because he's a lot better than Granite Jacker. In, in central midfield. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting you mentioned Vieira, and I talked to, to, to Patrick about this, and his character, as well as his all-round midfield skills, is exactly what Arsenal is missing at the moment. I know society changes, the academy's changed in terms of the players that have been produced, the character of the players, but there's a real shortage of leaders uh, in English football, that are good European football at the moment, and particularly at Arsenal. I mean, Per Mertesacker, World Cup winner, he's not starting. He's too slow to start. He's, he is a leader. Pepe Cech is a leader, but he's, he's fading as well as, as a goalkeeper. Mesut Ozil is a very impressive individual and a good player when he's in the league, but he's not a leader. You know, that invincible team that Vieira is in, they were real characters. So I think that's what Arsenal are, are missing at the moment. But your point about Vieira is so true. I mean, we've got the Football Writers Association in England and... Uh, we, every year we have a, um, a sort of a tribute night to a player. We've done, we've done Alex Ferguson, we've done Kenny Dalglish, we've done Stephen Gerrard, we've done Jose Mourinho, we've done Alex Drogba. So all the sort of good and the great for the game who contributed to English football, we've celebrated. A few years back we did Patrick Vieira and it was an absolutely wonderful night. Martin Keown and David Dean and people like that spoke so sort of emotionally about Patrick, possibly as a player, as a club employee, but as a man, the sort of dignity and the character and the humility of the very striking and actually the very striking individual, quite a tactile individual when you're sort of talking to him, very impressive individual. But the one sadness throughout that evening is that the individual who brought him to England, who helped develop him, wasn't mentioned and he wasn't there. And the fact that Wenger wasn't there was a great sadness. And as you alluded to, it's a disappointment to put it mildly, for Patrick himself. Patrick Vieira and Mikel Arteta, to an extent, should be embedded in the heart of Arsenal Football Club, a little bit like Liverpool are doing with Stephen Gerrard with the under-18s in their academy, and said, right, you are the future of this club. And Liverpool's place, case, we've got a strong enough manager in terms of his self-belief that he won't mind having a potential successor in the building. Wenger wouldn't have that. Wenger wouldn't have um, Arteta 
and um, on the air in the building. How about that? Two former Arsenal captains, and that's certainly to the benefit of Manchester City, where Arteta currently assists Pep Guardiola, and at New York City FC, where Vieira is the first team manager. Right back Anton Tinnerholm advanced deep into L.A. Galaxy territory for his first goal in Major League Soccer. Then left back Ben Sweat's foray into the Galaxy penalty box set up David Villa's first tally in 2018. A delightful development for head coach Patrick Vieira as the fullback's contributions on the attacking side are such a vital part of Vieira's 4-3-3 system. NYCFC defeated the Galaxy in their home opener on Sunday 2-1 before 26,221 at Yankee Stadium, a game heard live here on WNYE. The Swedish international, Tinnerholm, he opened the scoring in the 22nd minute, a left-footed volley off a deflected cross, surprising the Galaxy keeper David Bingham and Tinnerholm himself. I got a space on the, on the second post and uh, the ball bounced to me and I uh, got a great hit. It's, it's that simple. I'm not used to score with my lefty but today was the day and um, I got a really great hit today. Not, not even in training I think I would score like any goals like that so uh, it couldn't be better to, to score it at the, at the home opener to, to be honest and um, I'm not used to, to score uh, goals like that. Suddenly it, it happens. And 10 minutes later Sweat made a late run into the area, and his first-time attempt was saved by Bingham, but the rebound fell at the feet of the player who has flourished in home openers at Yankee Stadium, Villa, playing in his 100th game for NYCFC and MLS, scored for the sixth time in four seasons on maiden matches in the Bronx. For Vieira, the fullback influence in front of goal is simply part of the plan. No, I think this is just the way we play the game. I think when you look at Ben in the side, it was the same. I think, uh, you know, we have a clear philosophy and a clear idea about the way we want to play the game. And this is why it was important for us to bring the right player who can fit the system. So Anton liked to go forward. And, um, and I think the way we play suits him really well, the same way that he suits um, Ben or Mata or, or, or Saad. Uh, Vieira talking about Ronald Matarita and Saad Abdul Salam, who have uh, yet to uh, play a significant role on the pitch. On the defensive side, Tinnerholm teamed with central back Sebastian Ibiaga to limit the opportunities of the dangerous Emmanuel Boatang in that left channel. Ibiaga, the USL Defender of the Year with San Antonio last season, was given the starting assignment by Vieira in place of the suspended Maxime Cheneau. I think today he just played the way that he's been with us since the 27th of February. He, uh, he looked calm, really composed. And, uh, and, and really concentrate about what he's doing. He's, he's the same way in training. He's like to take information. He wants to improve himself. And, and, and I really enjoyed working with him. So I was really pleased for him because I think today was, uh, it was magnificent today. Ibiaga has a, uh, was a four-year starter at Duke University with professional stints in Iceland and Denmark prior to his return to the States. Back to Tinnerholm for a moment, Vieira says he is equally impressed with Sweden's top-tier defender of the year in 2017, a player with Champions League experience against the likes of Real Madrid and PSG. Uh, I think Anton is um, a real good professional. Um, the way he trains, he's got uh, the experience, he plays uh, European football, he won titles Sorry, with, uh, with Malmo. And he's bringing um, competitiveness, he's bringing um, experience to the squad, to the team. He's really vocal, um, he's a winner. And for the first time in franchise history, New York City FC has won the opening two matches of the season. 
and for the captain Villa, his 64th career MLS goal. Spain's all-time leading goal scorer, he's been playing with a heavy heart for the last two games, and he came through for one of his most important mentors as a young professional, Enrique Castro Kini, who recently passed away. It was a difficult week for me, you know, uh, far because I can I can go and, and say bye to him and I always try to, to say thank you. Thank you because I am sure that uh, without his help uh, when I start, I cannot uh, be the player that I be right now. So he helped me a lot. I tried to to score in Sunday for for pressing him the goal because I am sure that in the sky she she support me the same way that she support me in the in the in the life and how about that via got the goal for his friend Keeney who won the Golden Boot in Spain's top division seven consecutive years and played in a pair of World Cups 1978 and 1982 via and NYCFC their next assignment they'll be back home on Saturday for Orlando City SC and former coach Jason Kreiss well, it's time to welcome in my partner on this past Sunday's broadcast, the former Millwall and Crystal Palace center back, Matty Lawrence. Hey, Matt. Hey, how are you doing, Glenn? All right. Long time no see, man. Yeah, I know. It's been, a, it's been at least seven or eight hours, Glenn. <laughs> well, look, I, first of all, let's look at uh, Vieira and the players. Does, does he now have uh, the, truly the personnel that gives him an opportunity to play in the manner that he really wants out of this 4-3-3? What do you think? Yeah, he certainly has the personnel that he wants, that's for certain. It's taken him a couple of seasons to build up that personnel. As a manager, a head coach, you always want more. You always want better players. There's no doubt about that. But I think right now he has a squad that's capable of, of vying not only for the Eastern Conference title, but also, also for MLS Cup overall. All right, you've been a centre-back at, at, at a high level. Sebastian Ibiaga, he's thrust into the lineup after the suspension of Maxime Cheneau in this game against the Galaxy. And I'm pretty certain he didn't expect to start an MLS match this soon. What was your assessment of his performance? We can always be better when we're playing. We can always do better. It wasn't a 10 out of 10 performance, but it, it's a, it was a solid seven. I think he concentrated on what he does best. He's a defender first and foremost. He's not that new breed of defender, like a, a, I guess like a David Luiz or a John Stones, Mascarano. I know he's a bit older, but those kind of defenders who, who play football primarily and they defend second, you know, secondary. Ibiaga's all about defending. I love it. He he wins every 50-50 tackle. He's very strong in the air, and and ultimately for him playing in, you know, making his MLS debut, certainly his starting debut. Anyway, he, he played a minute plus injury time against SKC. He concentrated on what he's good at, and that is defending. Let's talk about that guy next to him, Alexander Collins, the only outfield player in the league to operate in every minute of every regular season game a season ago and uh, the full 180 minutes over the first two matches in 2018. What have you observed about the Peruvian? Obviously, he's made a difference for New York City. Yeah, you wouldn't want to put the mockers on him. But he keeps himself very fit. That's all about prehab. That's not just about how you look after yourself in the game. It's how you look after yourself in the off-season, uh, before games as well. He obviously stretches a lot. He looks after himself nutrition-wise. If we're talking specifically football, of course, I think he's a real breath of fresh air for NYCFC. Yes, he's a very good defender, but he's graceful as well. He covers the ground very well. He's got a really sweet left foot. Uh, he is a footballer as well. But, but again, he's another one who, first and foremost, he likes keeping clean sheets. He, he, he likes keeping the opposition from the goal, from the 18-yard box. I've been 
thoroughly impressed with him and Carlens is something that NYCFC have needed since this, you know since they came into the league a few seasons ago. Well, let's go on to the fullbacks and what greater joy could Patrick Vieira have than watching both Tinnerholm and Sweat help create goals in that victory over the Galaxy. Yeah, I think it's more important for the right-sided fullback, obviously Tinnerholm in, in in this particular case because whichever winger is playing for, for NYCFC, whether it be Wallace or Medina, they're, they're going to be left-footed, and we know they've got the license to switch, but whichever way it is, they're going to be left-footed. Naturally, they're going to drift inside and be playing almost alongside Veer at times. That just leaves huge swathes of space down that right-hand side for the fullback to overlap, and Tinnerholm loves doing that. What an engine he's got, Tinnerholm. He's absolutely frightening. Let's look at the next opponent, Orlando City SC, have managed just one point through two home matches under Jason Kreiss, the former NYCFC manager. Kreiss, only five players remain from the Orlando City roster since he took over uh, a year and a half ago. What have you seen so far this season from Orlando City? Uh, not a great deal. They've they pretty much started off how they finished at the, the back end of last season, and that was poorly. Um, they had all the trouble with Carl Lavin, obviously, as well. All the furore over his contract. And I think in the end, didn't he basically just walked out on his contract and said, I'll be in, in Besiktas if you need me. Um, so that obviously doesn't help the dressing room. There's certainly, a, from my, you know, looking in from from out here, it looks as though there's problems within that dressing room. It doesn't look as though they've got the strength of character. It doesn't look as though they've got the, the togetherness, certainly of an NYCFC or a Toronto or a Sporting Kansas City, where you look at the teams on the pitch and you think, God, you can imagine them, all the players going out for a night out after after the game. They all look friendly and, and together and they all get round the referee if one of their teammates is, is, has been fouled, things like that. Or Orlando, I don't see that. I see a bunch of individuals being thrown out onto the field. And at times I watch Orlando and I'm not overly sure how Jason Christ wants the team to play. And, and if I, I think that, then there's probably a, a sure chance that the players aren't overly aware of how the, how the manager wants them to play. Matt, thank you so much for uh, coming on and joining us on the debut of Soccer City. Good to see you, man. Yeah, you too, Glenn. Well, the man who replaced Christ in 2016, Patrick Vieira, now an experienced first-team coach. And I caught up with the Arsenal legend at the NYCFC training grounds in Orangeburg, New York. Here you are in your third season in Major League Soccer. Uh, has it flown by for you? It's uh, It doesn't seem that long. No, it doesn't seem that long, but, um, you know, times uh, go really fast and really quick. And um, honestly, I've been uh, enjoying every single training, every single game. So I think it's been uh, it's been really good. And, um, you know, after every single training session or every single game, I learned a lot about the team, about myself, about the, the philosophy that I want to implement. And, um, and it's, been, uh, it's been really good. You've always been very honest about your learning curve in the league and just as a manager. Where do you stand right now? What are the things that you really have uh, taken away from your first couple of years? No, I think, it's, uh, I think it's really interesting the way that you're managing games, the decision that you're making when you are losing or when you are winning. You know, is um, knowing if, if if the philosophy that uh, really fit the type of players that uh, that we have, and I think all these kind of years, um, you know, is uh, it's been some uh, some decisions, some uh, um, on the field uh, decision and the tactical side of the game that I believe uh, overall making me a, 
a better coach. I know you don't necessarily like to pinpoint certain players, but are there one or two that you're especially proud of in terms of their development uh, under your staff and someone who maybe you had to work with and continue to work with and repetition that uh, they've, they've become a, a player maybe beyond your expectations? No, I think um, something that we have to be really proud as a football club, I think, is a, is a Jack... Uh, Jack's situation. I think we take Jack from college. He spent a few years. He's been working really well. He's been working really hard. We had a really good program of, uh, for him. He improved himself. And um, and uh, when you look at the price that we pay him in a draft where everybody was telling us we were crazy, but at the end, we sell him uh, quite well. And uh, and I think that is uh, the credit to to the people in the football club, the one who follow him when he was in college, identified his talent, and all the coaches around who work with him every single day. I think that is uh, something that we can be uh, proud of as a football club. And I promise I won't ask you this frequently throughout the season, but your name keeps popping up for jobs, and we, we know uh, the position at Arsenal, uh, there's, there's a lot of clamoring going on uh, right now, and your former coach, Arsene Wenger, but uh, I would imagine it's flattering to, to hear these things and these certain links, As a, but you do have a job. I do have a job, and I want, uh, I do have a job who uh, take me uh, a lot of time, that a job that I really like and I really love, and I think that's the most important. All the rest is all gossips, and of course, it's, uh, it's good for, for your ego, it's, uh, it makes me smile, and and that's it. I'm really focused and concentrated about how we can improve from last year. I think we built a really interesting roster. And uh, my only focus is how can I get the best of every single player in the field? Because I think if I manage to do that, uh, we can have a really good season. So far, so good for Vieira. He mentioned Jack Harrison, who is on loan with Middlesbrough. The former New York City winger has made one appearance. New York City, they'll try to make it three wins to start the campaign on Saturday at Yankee Stadium, a game you can hear on WNYE New York 91.5 FM. Well, thanks for listening to the debut of Soccer City. You can hear it every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm Glenn Crooks. Have a great day, everybody.